2: I thought to myself it's not me you know it's not me it's not who I am who is Jamie O'Hara and that was the biggest thing I asked myself when I come out of Big Brother was who is Jamie O'Hara football was my pinnacle and I lost my way a little bit went through a bit of a tough time and you know I got divorced um, went through some real bad periods and I went on Big Brother I won I wanted the money
0: you know, I <laughs> 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 yeah. Jamie I think the problem some fans have is that when you get a call horribly wrong you guys don't come out and hold your hands up Do you think oh, yeah, I mean, generally yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Not
2: yet>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to be fair I don't think I've got many things wrong to be <laughs> <laughs> well I, I mean listen I was, I was I'd get slaughtered uh, you know death threats and you wow. know I weren't in training ground people standing outside wanting to fight you Wow. You know, coming to the stadium, people wanting to fight you. You know, my, my ex was getting abused with my newborn son walking out of the ground and stuff. So, it was a horrible experience. When I got into that, ask, uh, the Tottenham team, Berbatov, Modric, Huddleston, Genus, Ledley King. You know, it was, at, it was a, a brilliant... Gareth Bale. It's, it's, it's a good question, right? And it's probably one I've not answered before, but I always I always chat with my dad about this. Is, The to Tottenham, probably, I should have stayed at Arsenal.
0: Did you support Arsenal? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. I'm with my main man, Dej. How are you, bro? I'm
3: good, though. You know, it's good to be getting top, top guests. And again, today we're joined by someone, you know, that's very decorated in his footballing career. You know a midfield maestro so I'm looking forward to this one
0: <laughs> so as Dad said we are joined by a former Premier League player he used to play for Tottenham, Wolves, Portsmouth and a number of other teams he's also a Sky Sports pundit at the moment we see him you know giving views on the debates um, we welcome Jamie O'Hara to the platform
3: welcome 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 how are thank you, you? Jamie
0: uh, yeah we're good,
3: good. We're good. We're enjoying it, you know, doing the podcast. Obviously, it's difficult times, but what can you do? You have to try and keep occupied, and that's what we're mm-hmm. doing.
2: Yeah, you have to adapt, don't you? That's the f- biggest thing where you have to adapt and come in, uh, put yourself in different situations where you wouldn't normally put yourself in, and uh, you know, just try and get through it. We're all trying to get through it and stay healthy and stay safe. That's the main thing.
0: Definitely. But, so- Definitely. So usually we start, you know, from the very beginning, but I think we're going to do something different today. Um, how how are you finding this period? Because we were talking off air and you were telling us that it's difficult. So just give us a bit more insight into how you're finding this current, you know, pandemic situation.
2: Hard, really. I mean, the biggest thing for me I've struggled with is the mental side of it. You know, Mentally, it's been tough because I'm so used to being really busy at the moment, you know, like I've... I've built up a sort of career in the media and football, again, where before I wasn't doing much and I really struggled mentally, but now to come, you know, I'm working with Sky, working with TalkSport, working with Villa Ricky. so I was always out, I was always doing stuff, I was always busy, and now everything's kind of just been put on hold a little bit, you know, still doing bits and bobs, but season's been cancelled, you know, Sky have stopped sort of doing the debate show and... Uh, talk sport I've Gone down to one One a week So it's been really difficult Difficult period To sit at home Because I've never been someone That likes to just sit at home I've always mm. had a work ethic I've always wanted to work hard I've always wanted to be Out in the house um, So I've had to adapt and, it's, and there's been days Where it's not been easy
3: Yeah so on a day to day Like What's your current schedule Looking like Is it Rigid and routine Or is it a bit All over the place now What now Yeah Yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Let's just say I have got out of bed at about twelve fifty nine.
3: <laughs> okay, just one minute before this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no, I mean, um, I I I'll normally get up at seven o'clock. I'm 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 quite I, I wake up early anyway. Um, spoke to the owners this morning at Billericay, trying to just set a, a couple of plans and stuff for when we come back pre season, or you know when that's going to be. So we'll have a plan A and a plan B. Speaking to some players again now, obviously the manager, I've got to try and build a new team for the new season for, for whenever that may be. So, um, you know, I'll get up in the morning, do that. Uh, I've been trying to do a bit of training, but I pulled me back the other day. <laughs> you know, it's one of them ones, you know, like the old school. Uh, yeah, I've done me back. So uh, I've, been, uh, I've not been able to do nothing for a couple of days with that, but I've, I've been trying to train and tick over. Um and then yeah, just trying to eat healthy really. Nothing crazy. I've been in, in, indoors as much as possible. Uh, I've got the garden out there and just train in the garden, do a few hit classes and stuff. But really it's just get up, morning routine, bit of breakfast, Bill of Ricky, do a bit of work. Sometimes I go and talk sport once a week and uh, most of the majority of the time just stand at home trying to stay occupied. <laughs>
0: Um Jamie, I just you know want to tap into your brains because we spoke to a fully fledged um, f a registered intermediary, and he was saying at this present moment a lot of the players mentally they're struggling so what's your advice to to players, especially the younger players oh, it's, it's it's
2: a good question and it's a tough one because it's, i I've struggled as well you know mm. and I, and I try and practice what you preach a little bit, but I think that the best thing to do is just to try and remain positive and have that positive mindset. Um, you know, it's a difficult time at the minute, uncertainty, uh, uncertainty around people's futures. Um, so that's really difficult. So if, if you know, if you're a player, football player at the minute, you might have been left, your, your contract might have been up, you might have been released, um, and it's really tough times. And you've just got to use this as a journey um, hmm. and use it as a platform to. To try and better yourself in in terms of your mental aspect of the game, you know, prep, I, you know. So for me, if I've been watching old games, I've been watching the league games of our mm. season, yeah. trying to stay occupied. The worst thing you can do is sort of sit there and, and think about oh, I'm really struggling, or I'm really down, or this has I've been released. You have to get on with it. You know, you're in this situation. We're all in this situation. You have to be positive and have that mindset whereas football will come back. Uh, I'll come back and I'll get a club, or I'll get back at playing, and I'm going to show people what I'm about. So you know, watching old games, uh, I've been watching league games. I've been watching, uh, you know, games tactics. You know, going, I've been going on YouTube and watching Bielsa, and you know, the, the managers. Who I think we've got fantastic. The RP Leipzig manager, um, who I really like as well. Nagelsmann,
3: so, yeah,
2: yeah, Nagelsmann, who I think brilliant. Um, so I've been studying them, studying their tactics and things like that. Keep your mind ticking over and keep you. Know, try and create some stuff, write stuff down. And then if you're a young player, I've been doing it as a manager, so you can do that in your game. You know, watch your game, watch people, watch players, watch games. You know, if you're if you're at a professional football club, get people to send you your, your games, your DVDs and stuff and, and stick them on and watch them. And you can always, you can learn in a different way because obviously you've got a lot of time now to sit back and watch. Uh, and, 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 you know, most of the time when you're training all the time and playing, you might not do that.
3: Yeah, so as you mentioned, your manager of Billy Ricky and obviously in the Conference South, um, I often find when managers obviously manage at the top level, Premier League, and going down to like the non-league, it doesn't really end well. You know, <laughs> Edgar Davids at Barnet, that didn't really end well. So how yeah. are you finding it, adjusting your standards to like a lower level of football?
2: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough um, because it is, it is different. I mean, you've got to find the right players and the right, and the right people around you because um, there's, there's some real good players in non leagues, some real good talent, but it, 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 can be, it can be difficult at times because they're not the standards that you normally set for yourself and where you've been and the, what you would accept. It's, it's a little bit different. Um, so I've, I've just tried to make it as professional as possible. Um, and get players who know that the standards that I expect, they want them for themselves as well. So, like, young lads who are trying to strive to get into the league, um, you know, and they want to have someone like Jamie O'Hara who's going to help them, and, and, and they can learn off that. And then players who have played in the league respect it, but have dropped down because of, you know, age, injury, whatever, uh, but still understand that the standards that are set need to be, you know, as high as possible. It's... it's it's not easy because you get players for, for, you know, Tuesday and Thursday evening for an hour and a half, you know, like it's part time we are. And so that for me is so difficult because you want to work on something, you want to improve a player, you want to uh, work on tactics. It's almost impossible to get what you want out of it. So you rely on a lot on the players to, to have that professional mindset.
3: Yeah, so again, you're managing in the Conference South. Do you actually see a pathway out of that to like move up? You know, the tiers. We've seen a lot of good young managers: Gavin Rose at Dulwich, Dean Brennan, who's at Wildston. Yeah, he's done and obviously, well. You know, the Cowley brothers have obviously made that progression yeah. into the Championship. So, yeah. do you believe that if you do a good job at this level, the opportunities will present themselves further on down the line?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's so hard to get a job in football. You know, it's really difficult, and especially as a manager. There's only one, you know, there's one job at each club, so it's not easy. So, um, it was, it was always something I wanted to do. It was always something I saw myself doing. Uh, I didn't expect it to happen so quick, to be honest. You know, I was 33, uh, still, still playing really, uh, but the opportunity came up to become the manager. Um, and you know, the the owner at Billericay said, you know, he really liked. What my mindset was and my philosophy of how I wanted to do things, and he said, "Yeah, you know, like I'll give you the job." And I, I, looked at it and thought it's going to be tough, it's not going to be easy, but it's a fantastic job to have. You know, it's one of the most talked about clubs in non-league. Yeah, they're good. You know, there's a lot of talk around Billericay. Uh, it's a good setup, great stadium, and to be 33 years of age and have a, and to be a manager at a top non-league club for me, I thought if I do well here and experience, you know, my <laughs> You never know. You could go up with Billeriki. You know, we want mm. to get promoted. That's our own, get promoted, get into the National League. But um, it's, it was, it's fantastic for me to get the experience to, you know, step up the leagues whenever that may be possible.
0: Jamie, qu- quick question from me. Do you almost feel like your punditry work goes hand in hand with the managerial role you're doing? Because I remember Jurgen Klopp famously Um, done well-cut punditry um, for the German TV. And he almost came to prominence in Germany that, wow, this is the next top, bright, young German manager. So do you almost feel that you need to impress when you're being a pundit? And that can, you know, make people realise that, wow, this guy actually knows what he's talking about as a manager.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, being being a pundit is... You know, you get to talk a football, and you get an opinion, and people listen to it. You know, mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of great people out there, with a lot of knowledge in the game, um, but don't get the opportunity to to speak. You know, and I've, I've built up that opportunity to speak on Talk Sport and be a pundit and have that. Um, and that's took time. You know, that's not easy. You know, it's hard to talk on TV. It's hard to talk on the radio, but you've also got to be prepared, and you've also got to know what you're talking about. So people, you know, people, people will suss you out really quick if you don't know what you're talking about, especially on Sky, because when you're on TV and they're, and they're coming to you live and you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to come unstuck. So, you know, so that, that's put me in a good, um, you know, working with them put me in a really good sort of way to be able to speak and, and to prepare and always be ready for whatever comes your way, you know, and that, that, that put me in a really good sort of frame of mind to, to be like you know I can handle standing in front of front of people in front of, of players and you know talk football, and it's given me a bit of you know a bit more respect in terms of people think you know he's on t v he's talking well, he knows his stuff, and it opens doors for
3: you yeah, so um just going back to Billy Rickey, as you mentioned, it's one of the clubs that have a high profile in the non league you yeah. know the colorful character Glenn Tamplin. You know, we've seen him on social media and he seems to be a good guy, to be honest. You hear about some of the good deeds he does. And obviously you made a few high profile signings, Jermaine Pennant, um, other players as well that have come through the doors. Um, Have you found when you're playing against opposition, they try and, you know, draw you in to like a rough game to try and unsettle you? Or when you're playing in the league, is it fair game? When
2: I first came to Billericay, when when Glenn was there, and it was it was me, Penn, and Chesky, you know, we had Foley. We had like sort of it was like a dream team. I mean, they just wanted, they just wanted everyone just wanted to kick you. I mean, like, it was like a cup final. Every time you got the ball, everyone just wanted to smash you because for them it was an opportunity to play against ex Premier League player. We'd come down and as a big football club like Billericay, non league now, and they're like, well hold on, I'm playing for St Albans and. Tunbridge Angels and I'm playing against Pennant, O'Hara, but like, I'm going to smash these guys. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put these guys. So, I had, you had to overcome that a little bit and it was tough, you know. It wasn't easy. You know, some good players. I found out very quick like this level, you know, like there's some good players like raw ability, players who haven't had quite the opportunity to get into the pro game but still decent, you know, fit, you know, know the game. So I, w- I was really surprised, but I was also impressed, and that I, and I, and it, it changed me a little bit because um, I was like, "Well, I need to bot my I need to bot my ideas up here because you know I, I can't be Joe Miara and come and play for Ballyricky and look like a clown." Do you know what I mean? Um, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I need to I need to sort myself out. So got myself fit again, and had, you know we won the treble and we had a good season, and then. It put me in a. It, it gave you a little bit more respect at that level in terms of people go. You know what? He's not just come here for a payday. He mm. actually respects the level, respects the players, respects the managers, and he's here to actually do. You know, do something. You know, and that's why I think I've stayed there for a lot longer than you know some of the other players.
0: Um, moving on to the embryonic stages of your playing career. If I'm not mistaken, you started at Arsenal. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Tottenham fans don't want to hear that. But how <laughs> <laughs> did you fall in love with the sport? Um,
2: it, it was falling in love with it, it. Just become really natural. I mean, my my brother was he was older than me. He's four years older than me. My dad always loved football. Always loved. Uh, he was he, he wasn't a bad football, He played sort of semi-professional. Was, you know, was half decent. Um, but when he had my brother, he really tried to get him into football. Um, and he weren't having none of it. Weren't interested at all. He was really different to me. My brother still is, but it just it. it so my dad didn't bother with me because he thought, mm. oh, that when he had me, He thought, oh, he's going to be the same. So I didn't really start picking up on ball and stuff till I was about six.
0: Mm. And um, did you support Arsenal?
2: No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, no, was, we was always Tottenham. We was always Tottenham. Um, but yeah, when I started playing, I, I just loved it. And my, and my dad realised, wow, he's, he's good, you know, he's got a talent. So uh, the reason I went to Arsenal was at the time, uh, I was actually at Chelsea from seven years of age. Um, Chelsea scouted me. I was playing under nines and I was in a cup final and I was seven. And, I, and they said, look, can you come and train? And I trained at Chelsea, it was a really good academy as well. Um, but when I got to 11, the Chelsea Academy was too far to travel. It was really long distance for my family. So Arsenal were looking in that area, in the Kent area where I grew up, and they and they were the club that, that come in for me. And at the time, Arsenal were like Arsenal, you know, like mm. Wenger, mm. Vieira, you know, Honry, mm. Petit, like they were the pinnacle. They were yeah. the team, you know. And their academy was the best academy in the country. There was them and Man United and no one else come, no one come close to it you know mm. and I had offers to go to Man United I could have gone to them but I didn't want to move up to Manchester um, you know everyone was after me at the time it was, it was really highly talked about but Tottenham didn't really look in that area so Tottenham was not never a, a possibility because they wasn't in the area so I went to Arsenal and it was a brilliant academy fantastic academy got some great people there and I learned everything that I learned I learned through that Arsenal academy when I got to 17, I looked at it and I was like, am I going to get in the Arsenal side? You know, I wanted to play and, and it didn't look like that opportunity was going to come up as quick as I wanted. They saw me playing for Arsenal. They rated me highly. Mm-hmm. They, wanted, they, they offered me a three-year contract um, on decent money. But I, I, I said, look, I think now's the time for me to move on. Tottenham come in for me. They paid a bit of money and they said that Tottenham were going to put me in the team. Quicker than Arsenal, you know. For me, I was looking at Rooney at that age, at seventeen, mm. and he started he was playing. So I wanted to get in the team as quick as possible because I thought I was ready. I wasn't ready, but I thought I was. when you're young, yeah. you think you're ready, innit? You of
3: know? course, of course,
2: you think you're ready, but you're not. Mm. Um, but uh, it was funny because that Arsenal said, "Look, we don't see you playing for us. We see you playing for top, uh, for Arsenal, but about around around when you're 21." And I was like, "I'm 17. I'm not waiting another four years. I'm ready now." So I went to Tottenham. Tottenham was like, nah, yeah, we think you are ready. I didn't get into Tottenham's team until I was 21. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so how do you reflect on your time at Tottenham? You know, under Martinho, playing with the likes of Berbatov. There were so many top-level midfielders at that time. You had Huddleston's, yep. the Jermaine Genuses, Modric as well. So how did you find your time at Tottenham? And looking back in retrospect, do you think you should have stayed at Arsenal or you're happy with the decisions you made? <sighs>
2: It's, it's, it's a good question, right? And it's probably one I've not answered before, but I always, I always chat with my dad about this. Is the move to Tottenham, probably I should have stayed at Arsenal at the time. I probably should have stayed at Arsenal because it was a brilliant, it was a fantastic academy, a really good academy. And after, it was strange what happened was, at the time, Arsenal were bringing in a lot of foreigners, young foreigners to play. Uh, and they were building, uh, and then Tottenham followed suit after I went there. So there was quite, there was a stopgap of players to keep, you know, get into the team. And Arsenal went the other way, I think, because they were building the stadium, the Emirates Stadium. They stopped buying players, they stopped bringing in loads of players, and they gave their youth a chance. So you saw like there was players coming through who I was playing with, who weren't at my level.
3: Mm. any name, any names.
2: Um, <laughs> Uh, Ke- Ke- is it Ke- Kerry Gilbert? Okay,
3: yeah. I yeah, remember Kerry that. Kerry yeah.
2: Gilbert. Ryan Smith. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. like played a few games. Um, Jay Simpson. you know, Oh, like, the strike-on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so there was players who I was around and thinking they're nowhere near like what I was classed as at Arsenal. But they were playing because all of a sudden Arsenal changed their policy and were, you know, using the Carling Cup to play all their youth players. And Tottenham weren't doing that. Tottenham were, you know, trying to win that cup. And, you know, so they were playing their best team. So I didn't get the opportunity. So when I look back, I think as much as it was, in the end, brilliant playing for Tottenham, got into the Tottenham side, leaving Arsenal, I might have left a bit premature. But then when I got into Tottenham side, it was brilliant, you know, because I was playing with world-class players by then. And everything happens for a reason. I might not have never got into Arsenal side. Mm. You know, I I might not have ever played me, but you know what? When I got into that, uh, the Tottenham team, Berbatov, Modric, Huddleston, Genus, Ledley King, you know, it was, at, it was a, a brilliant... Gareth Bale, you know, it was... You know, the, the, the team, I think the team, Tottenham's team, when I played, was the best team I've mm. seen in the last 15 years. It was absolutely brilliant, the players we had there. I think it would beat the Tottenham team now. And wow. Mm. Uh, it was... It was such a good side and so many good players. You know, like you look at the players at like Luka Modric and, and Bao and Vrbatov, mm. Robbie Keane, you know, like that team would walk into Tottenham's team now. You know, it would, it would walk into mm. that team. And and I was lucky because I was in that team and I was fighting to get in that side. And I learned a lot and it made me a better player. And it was, mm. a fan, it was absolutely brilliant to be part of that team. Um, at, you know, at, and I, I wish I never left. I wish mm. I never left.
0: How strong do you have to be mentally? Because these decisions that you make as a youngster can shape your career. For example, if you say that Arsenal, there's a possibility that you could have been an Arsenal legend. Who knows? So obviously I'm with Dej here and Dej is my best friend. And he used to be at Crystal Palace. And he always talks about mentally he was not ready to be a footballer. (laughs) But how strong do you have to be?
2: I think you have to have a, a, a mindset. I don't think you realise at a young age mm. what that mindset is. You just you either have it or you don't. So I had a, my best mate. He's still my best now. Was the Arsenal captain, and me and him growing up were the two best players around. And he never made it, mm-hmm. and because he went the other way. And he always said to me, "James." You were leaps and bounds above everyone because you had the you had the attitude and the discipline and the sacrifice. That mental side of the game, where no, if you, you either got you either want that or you don't. It's, and I don't think it's hard to learn that. Now it's changed. You, you, people will come and help you and teach you to have that mindset. Mm, Dr. When C, I was,
0: Peter's, yeah, yeah, mm.
2: like, but I didn't have that when I was young. I just mm. I just naturally had a mindset where I was like, I'm gonna be a footballer and nothing's gonna stand in my way. I wasn't interested in birds then. You know, I wasn't interested in it really. <laughs>
0: that,
2: that time when I was 25.
3: <laughs>
2: but like, when I was a kid, I wasn't interested. And my mate, who, who who's my best mate now, and he's still the same, you know, was brilliant at football, fantastic footballer, everyone rated him, captain, but he went. He, he, he didn't have the the desire uh, and the, the sort of... The mindset to go. I'm not going to go out on a Friday night. I'm not going to go out after game on Saturday. You know, like I'm. Gonna, I'm going. He wanted to. He wanted to go out and see birds. He wanted to be with his mates. You know what I mean? He wanted to go on holiday. He wanted to go to places like Iona, and all that. Mm. I didn't want. I never wanted that. I was never interested. My whole focus and my whole mindset was, I'm going to be a footballer and I'm going to get to the top and I'm going to play in this first team. Mm. So, that, and that mindset is hard to have. Yeah. Know? to stick to that and to have that all the time is difficult
3: and it's correct what you say about decisions shape career you know when I was at Crystal Palace there was a young player called Johnny Bostock you know, yeah, he, yeah, made a know decision, yeah. he made the yeah, decision he made the decision to move to Tottenham and looking yeah. back in retrospect you know he might think wow I should have probably mm. stayed at Crystal Palace where I had the opportunity to become a legend and play week in week out yeah, So yeah. just yeah. you know that's a perfect yeah, point I, I, in case I
2: remember, I, I remember John coming to, to Spurs he was a bit younger than me he was highly rated. Highly, yeah. highly rated. Everyone saw him as this wonder kid, mm. you know, and everyone was talked about him. Uh, and and it, it never really happened for him at Tottenham. Never really come his way. And uh, I mean, he's ended up making a career out the game. Fair play to him, because you know that sometimes you fall off or it doesn't work somewhere. You can really drop, but he still made a career and and done well. You know, he's playing playing decent football still. I think so. He's done well, but yeah, I mean. Decisions are huge. One one wrong decision in your career can really affect you. Like I, I signed for Wolves, um, which was a big money move. I went there. The contract was great. I thought that was it. You know, I was really going to kick on, and it was the complete opposite. You know, I had a nightmare.
3: Mm, so yeah, we're going to move it on to your time at um, Portsmouth. Obviously, you had some loan spells from Tottenham as well. But at Portsmouth, I think it was the oh10 season. How was that season? Because on the outside, you could see Portsmouth were a club in ruins, mm. financial crisis, relegation, cut adrift. You know, there was a lot of asset stripping. So yeah. being a player in and around that environment, how was it psychologically to be going through, you know, people's jobs are at risk? The team yes. performing well, there's managerial upheaval. So how was it?
2: It was, it was difficult, you know, it was a difficult situation to be in because there was a lot of good people at Portsmouth and I love that football club, still really, you know, still love it now. Um, and there was a lot of people that had been there for a long time through everything, before they had the, the highs, you know, like of AC Milan and Harry Redknapp and all the Blairs coming in. There was a lot of people there before that and they were the people that were suffering the most, you know. They were the people that lost their jobs. They were the people that lost out, so that was it was really difficult period. Um, but for me, it was it was for me it was a chance to show everyone that I was a good footballer. You know, I was on loan, so I didn't have the I didn't have the issue of oh, I'm, I'm I might lose my job or I'm not going to have a contract because I always had the backing of going back to Tottenham. You know, I always had the three year contract, and it was for me it was like you know what I'm going to come here. You know, because I could have gone to other places. I could have signed for Birmingham. I could have signed for Sunderland. Um, but for me, I, I chose Portsmouth because I always liked playing at Fratton Parks, I always liked the people there. Yeah, and I, and I just thought I'm, I'm going to play week in, week out. You know, they're struggling. They need players, and I'm going to play week in, week out in the Premier League, and and be the main player. Mm. So that that for me was the biggest thing. And I thought I just want to go there and show everyone and. You know, we went on an amount, on a crazy run in the FA Cup, got to the yeah. final.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Which was, which was, you know, special moments. We got relegated. We had, we had a ten point deduction. Yeah, so it was a crazy, crazy <laughs> place to be at the time. But it was weird because in the end, you just thought, right, let's just play football. You know, can't mm. control anything else. I'm not in control of anything else here apart from me on the football pitch. So let me just be the best person I can be on the pitch. People who are going to come and still pay to come and watch us play.
0: Jamie, how is it, how is the experience, you know, when you're on loan? Because from the outside looking in, fans think, yeah, we've got you, but you're not yeah. ours. Yeah. So do you almost feel like you're, you have a loyalty to, the, to your loan club or are you thinking about the bigger picture going back to your parent club?
2: It, it's, for me, I was always on loan to get experience. You know, like mm-hmm. to go and get experience to go and better myself at, say Tottenham. Um, some players go on loan where they're not going to be involved. You know, at that club, and they look and they think, "Well, I need to go out on loan because I'm not going to play at Tottenham, mm. or I'm not going to play wherever they, wherever they are." So, um, it it can be quite difficult going on loan because you don't really feel part of the club. Okay. You know, because you can know you you always know that mm. I'm going back.
0: Mm. But
3: for
2: me, it was always. So when I when I went on loan to Portsmouth, I went there because I liked the club anyway, and I wanted to show everyone I was a great, a fantastic footballer. And the fans really, they really saw the passion and and, and the commitment in me. I think if you go on loan and you don't show that, then you're going to get found out, you know, mm. and, and and people are going to turn on you. Um, when I first went to Wolves, I went there on loan, and it was brilliant. You know, the fans saw the passion, the commitment, the the energy, and the performances that I was putting in. So. They, they saw that dedication to the football club. Now, mm. you're, if you're a young player and you're going on loan, you can't go there and just be selfish because it doesn't mm. work. You go on loan and just think about yourself, it's not going to work out. You know, you've got to look at the fact that you're, you've gone to a football club and you've got to perform for them as well, you know, not just for yourself so you can better your career. You've got to perform for the people that are coming and pay you as well like that
0: football team. Jamie, um, do fans like play a factor in terms of your future, for example, if they're chanting, we want you to stay, we want you to stay. <laughs> does that almost, you know, make you feel like, hmm, maybe I can have a future at this club, or do you just ignore that and you know that you're going back?
2: No, I mean, listen, if, if fans fans are singing your name and, mm. and you're doing well there and they appreciate you, that's what you want as a footballer. You want adulation, you know, and... Mm. You know, when the fans are singing your name and singing your praises, you sit there and think, you know what? Mm. I could be really happy here, you know? like You could be really happy here. I I mean, I I remember playing for Portsmouth against Wolves, and I got eight player of the season awards that season at at Portsmouth. And obviously, I knew I couldn't sign for Portsmouth because they didn't have the money. They was on the way down. But Wolves were actually saying, sign him up, sign him up. (laughs) Um, And it's crazy because I got injured at the end of that season – uh, but when I come back, I went on loan to Wolves. That was the club, and, and and that stuck with me because the Wolves fans, you know, I knew as soon as I went there that the fans were going to take to me. You know, they were going to be like, "We wanted him, and now he's here." And I think that's massive, you know, as a player, that the fans actually really like you.
3: Yeah. yeah. So as you mentioned before, you know, you went to Wolves. Um, you finished seventeenth in your first season. You know, narrowly escaping yeah. relegation. You know, on the final day, because results went your way. And then the following season, you No, got no, rele- no, it
1: didn't go
2: our way. I scored. <laughs> I scored on the final day. to helped keep us up. Yeah.
3: So obviously, then the following season, you got relegated, you know, finishing 20th. And that season, yeah. the whole team seemed to, you know, unravel. I remember Mick McCarthy getting sacked, Terry mm-hmm. Connor getting put in charge of the team. Yeah. How was it being in that dressing room? Because from the outside looking in, we see players and, you know, pundits can say, oh, they're not trying. You know, they yeah. throw their toys out of the plan. But being inside of that dressing room, how was it?
2: It was hard, you know. It was really upsetting because i would never experienced um, that where I was at the football club and, you know, a manager had got the sack who had been there and done great things, you know, got the sack and then we were, we were responsible, you know. I felt responsible because I'd gone there as a big money player um, and it hadn't worked out. You know, we wasn't playing well. We, we, we lost, we, you know, we were losing games and, and, you know, it wasn't a lack of effort. We just weren't good enough. The Premier League stepped up a level and we didn't, you know. Mm. That season where we stayed up, we needed to, you know, I signed for the club after. I was on loan and I actually signed. And then that season I thought we'd really kick on. We signed Roger Johnson, who was a good player at the time. Mm. But we needed a few more, you know, we needed four or five new players who were going to really take that team to the next level. And we didn't, we didn't get them. Uh, so we struggled that season and it became really hard. Mick lost his job, which I thought was a big mistake. You know, when Mick lost his job, we had 10 games left. I remember it. And we was only in the relegation zone on goal difference. And I think we had a game in hand and, and they sacked him. And then, they sacked him because we lost to West Brom, which was a local derby, four-one. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. we got battered. You know, we <laughs> yeah. weren't good enough. You know, it was terrible. But we sacked him. But they didn't have a plan in place going forward. So that that was that was the criminal thing that happened. And then after that, it kind of just went into disarray. Like you know, the players were all like, "Well, what's going on? We've got ten games left to save a season, and you you sacked Mick and then give the job to Terry Connor." who was his assistant manager who never wanted no, the job.
0: Yeah, no experience as well. No experience, he mm. never wanted the
2: job. Mm. So it was it was crazy really what happened. And the players all kind of you know, we, we was trying to we was trying to win and we were trying and but, but listen, it weren't for a lack of effort, but we didn't have any guidance and we didn't have any sort of tactical plan to win the then games, to get results in them games. We ended up losing all of them. We didn't we didn't we ended up not getting a point. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. And it, it, the players took a lot of stick. Let me tell you, I took the most stick. I got absolutely slaughtered.
0: But, so what happened? What kind of abuse did you yeah. receive?
2: Well, I, I, I mean, listen, I was, I was I'd get slaughtered. Uh, you know, death threats and, you wow. know, one, wow. the training ground, people standing outside, wanting to, wow. to, to fight you. You know, coming to the stadium, people wanting to fight you. You know, my ex was getting abused with my newborn son walking out of the ground and stuff. So, it was a horrible experience, really horrible experience, and it was, and you know, it it, it changed me a little bit towards football fans. You know, you know, I mm. thought, you know, I I'd, I'd given all I could, and that I was we wasn't good enough as a team, as a collective. but They singled me out to be. Why the do one. you think they
3: did? Because you were the big money side in, or because you yeah. had this image around you, or what do you yeah, think it was? I,
2: it was a bit of both. I think, you know, I didn't help myself a little bit with the image that I had around me, you know, which I never wanted, you know. I never I never really wanted that image around me, but it came because, obviously, I had a high-profile relationship. I was in the papers quite a bit with, you know, and,
1: it, yeah,
2: and then I was the big-money player. I was the big-money player that come in and it hadn't worked out. So they targeted me, saying, oh, you're not taking it serious and blah, blah, blah. And I was, you know, Football was all I ever wanted to do. And all I ever wanted to do was walk out of Molyneux and, and play well, you know. And it, it didn't happen. I wasn't. I, I picked up a few injuries and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen for me. And, and it was just a bad time. And I took a hell of a lot of abuse and a hell of a lot of flack when there was a lot of other players there who were nowhere near pulling their weight, you know, as well. You know, it wasn't just me. There was a lot of other players there who weren't good enough at that time as well. And
3: they, got, and they got away with of it. Yeah, so Jamie, um, Wolves, you know, achieved the unenviable task of getting the double relegation. Yeah. So after that season, I think...
2: relegated again.
3: Yeah, Stel sold back and was put in charge. And obviously, he got sacked, Dean Saunders. So again, dropping down a level, do you still think the players in the Premier League weren't good enough for the Championship? Or then does it become about mentality that is oh, running and seeping through the club?
2: Yeah, but yeah, at that point, it was about mentality. You know, there was um, there was this shock around the club. Uh, there was no direction. There was no guidance on where we were going. And you still see it now, you know, like Stoke have done the same thing. You know, mm. like they're struggling. You know, you don't think just because you've dropped out of the Premier League that you can't get relegated again because you can. You know, the Championship is a tough, tough league and there's some very good teams. And if you're not prepared to go into that season ready to go, then you're going to struggle. And we did. We struggled. We still had the, you know, like we'd, we'd just been knocked back and gotten dropped out of the Premier League when everyone thought that was it. We were going to kick off. You know, we were going to really go on in the Premier League. We didn't, got relegated, still had the same squad of players, but didn't have the right, didn't have the right guidance, didn't have the right manager, didn't have the right set up to be successful in the league. And we struggled again. You know, we went down again and it was, I mean, I got injured that season. I had a terrible groin injury. Um, and I was out for, I was out for pretty much that whole season. I come back around January when Dean Saunders got the mm. job, and I think I only played about sixteen games that season in the championship. And I and I was the one who got the most sick. And I'd only and I only played sixteen <laughs> games. And I was thinking, well, well done. There's forty six games in the championship, <laughs> and I've come back and played sixteen. Like not fit as well, you know. Mm. Trying to come back to help the team, I was desperate to get back. And I was the, and everyone blamed me for that whole season. I, I was Jamie Mahara's fault. We got relegated. I only played 16 games.
0: Mm. I think, just harping back to, to Mick McCarthy, and um, you mentioned him earlier, we've um, exchanged a few messages with him and he seems like a great man. Um, do you almost feel like managers can be too nice to you as players? So after a while, you start taking the piss. Um,
2: well, Mick McCarthy weren't that. <laughs> You know, he, he he was straight as he come. You know, mm. If you weren't pulling your weight. He would tell you straight. You know, um, I think with footballers, yeah. I mean, look, uh, give a footballer a yard, you know, it'll take a mile. Do you know what I mean? You know, mm. like, that's what footballers are like. We're normal lads. We want to have a laugh. We want to go into work and just enjoy it. Uh, and and you you know, you'll know with a lot of footballers, just want to joke around and enjoy themselves. They're just talented, talented lads. So you need discipline, and you need a manager who's going to pull you in check and have you doing the right things. Um, and if, if a manager hasn't got that, then yeah, you know, players will take advantage of it. You know that people like Mick do brilliant in the game because mm-hmm. they people are not like they're great at organising and they're good managers, but they know how they know how to have discipline and they know how to set a store and a standard that you all kind of have to keep to. Uh, and I think that's what happened at Walls when he left them standards dropped massively and the people that come in wasn't able to get that out of them players. Because there was some good players at Wolves. You know, we had a fantastic squad. Um, But the managers that come in weren't good enough to to get the best out of them and the standards just dropped and dropped and dropped. So that's why a manager is so vital to success.
3: Yeah, so obviously since your time at Wolves, there's been a lot of upheaval. You know, the Folsom International Group have taken charge yeah. Along with Hoog Mendes, so they've been pumping in money During that time, or during the time you were there There was one constant, and that's Matt Doherty yeah. When you played with him, and when he was coming through Could you tell that this would be one of the best right-backs in the league? Because he's taken the Premier League by storm Even right. for Republic of Ireland, you see him yeah. winning match Winning performances, scoring goals So yeah. how good is he, and how is he as an individual?
2: <laughs> it's funny because I'm good mates with Doc And I always say to him I spoke to him the other week I never saw how good he was going to be <laughs> it, it, it it, it, He was just this fat little chunky kid <laughs> <laughs> like, Honestly like, he, he, was, he, he was talented But he was just like This chunky kid Come in We wanted to have a bit of a laugh and a joke Was one of the boys like, And he, he played He really kind of got his opportunity When we was obviously really Doing badly and mm. was in League One, and that's when he got his chance. You know, I think if Wolves are in the Premier League, he might not have never got that opportunity. Mm. You know, so his opportunity come through the failure of Wolves at the, you know, at our time, and then he he just went from strength to strength. He's he's played brilliant in League One, was brilliant in the Championship, and then when these new guys come in, I mean, he was good. Don't get me wrong, he was good, and you know, he's a mate of mine, and I take them, we have a laugh and take a <laughs> Mick. <laughs> like he was good, but I didn't think he was that good, you know. Mm. And then now I speak to him like, like wow, you know, like he is for me one of the best right backs yeah. in the league, you know, in the league by my, and, and, you know, and I think someone like Tottenham should be trying to snap this guy up, you know, you know, and they should be trying to go for someone like him because he's a top top footballer now, and he's done so well. He's still a normal, he's just still the, the the normal guy though. Still like when you chat to him. You still feel like he's that normal fat kid who just <laughs> wants to have a laugh and comes in and has a joke. He's still that guy, but you know he, he's turned into a, an absolute fantastic footballer um, who's done you know brilliant things for Wolves. There.
0: What? So, Jamie, are you saying you will have him ahead of the Ivory Coast fullback Serge Aurier at Tottenham?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, wow. I, if it, I, I think. Losing some Tottenham lost to Trippio. I, I thought was a good right back, you know. And he had a bad season, but I thought it was a good right back for me. Matt Dougherty walks into Tottenham's team. Walks wow. into,
3: so, where would you place him? Would you say it's maybe Trent Pereira, then Doherty? or how would you rank? Uh, him?
2: yeah, I mean, look, it, it, to get on that sort of level of sort of the Trents, then you know, you, you're talking top, but yeah, I mean, he I would I would put him at the I'd put him in top five. Right backs in in the country, right? uh, You know, in in the country. For me, when you think of right backs, and you think of, you know, when you think of an attacking right back, right now, the first instant you think Trent, and then you're thinking, you know, Doherty, you know, Wambasaka. But after, you know, like Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, there's not many after Mm -hmm. where after Trent where you're not thinking Matt Doherty.
3: Mm. Yeah, so um, obviously, I want to quickly go through your time at Fulham. Um, you yeah. had a season there, I believe, where you finished 20th. Um, there was a few good players during your time there. Obviously, there was Ross McCormack who formed a great partnership with Moussa Dembele. Yeah. This is a player that we've seen move to Celtic on a free, and he's now got his move to um, Olympic Lyonnais where he's banging in the goals. Yeah,
2: he's good, and, yeah. And now a he's link being linked to you know, yeah. top
3: clubs like Manchester top, United, yeah. Chelsea, yeah. Tottenham. How good do you think he is and do you think right now he could start for one of those superpower clubs? Um,
2: it's tough because I remember him when I played with him. And I think he's developed a lot since then. When I played with him, he was really raw. You know, like he was a goal scorer. He was a finisher. We had a fan. Them two, them two scored goals for fun. You know, would, you'd would always be in a game. But also it also miss a lot of chances, Moose. You know, like a lot where he was thinking, you know, he's not clinical enough and that's why he's playing at this level. And then all of a sudden he's gone. He went to Celtic, absolutely smashed it there. And then he's gone on again. And you're like, well, this guy's obviously developed that now to another level where he's a top, top player. But when he when I played with him at Fulham, he was still young. He was still raw, you know. Um, so talking about him going to one of these, these big clubs now, then, well, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, if he, he was very... He was very sort of sure of himself. He was very confident in his ability. He knew where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do. And they actually... um, Fulham lost out on him, really, in terms of... They let his contract run down. I don't think he had his... He ended up... I think he left for for nothing, you know, and there wasn't a lot of money. And that was a big, big mistake from them, really. But he was a good player.
3: So how was he as a character as well? Like, was he down in tools because he wanted to leave or... Was no. he still a positive influence in the dressing room?
2: I wouldn't say he was a positive influence. He just did his own thing. He was one, okay. of, them lads, you know, he was one of them sort of, look, he was a, a foreign lad. He'd come in, knew what he wanted, had his own ability, knew where he wanted to be, performed on the pitch, scored goals. But that was it, really. You know, he did didn't mix with a group. Um, he, he, and, and I didn't mind that because I was always like that. You know? mm. But I, as a young lad, I was like that. So I didn't mind that at all. Um, but as obviously as I've got older, I've realised that mixing with the team and having team spirit and all that is crucial. You know, it's a massive part of it as you get older. Um, but he was he was a good lad, you know, he wasn't he wasn't you know, he wasn't like someone you didn't like. I, I liked him, I, I thought he was a good lad, a good character. To go on and done what he's done, I was surprised how good he's been. You know, I was surprised because He was raw at Fulham, but he went to. I think when he went to Celtic, he really changed as a player because he went there. Who and Celtic are a massive football club, but it's an easier league to go and shine, you know. So he's gone there and shined, and realised that he could be, you know, a super player.
0: Moving on, you know, to your current role as a pundit at Sky Sports, TalkSport. <laughs> um, yeah, Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen you multiple times on the debate and I'm a Liverpool supporter and sometimes you've been a bit critical of Liverpool and I'm like, oh, Jamie, what are you talking about? So how do you take criticism as a pundit? Do you accept it more than how it was when you were a footballer? Yeah. Or yeah. how do you, you know, manage that dynamic?
2: <laughs> It's tough, you know, because I've been a, I've been a footballer, and yeah. you know now I've got to stand there and I, I've got to be critical sometimes. And sometimes I I think you know I don't want to criticize mm. all the time, but as a pundit, that's your job. You know, you have you have to criticize, and you have to be honest. And I've had to change, you know, as a player, you're very you're very political in your answers. You see footballers do interviews, then you can guarantee. They're all the same, you know. Yeah, we had done well tonight. Didn't quite work out. Mm. We'll go again. We'll go again. When you're a pundit, you can't you can't sit on the fence. You know, if you sit on the fence, you become boring. So you have to be straight. You have to be prepared to say what you think, and you need to be prepared if that's if this is going to go down <laughs> like that <laughs> with some fans, you're going to have to accept that. You know, you are going to have to take the stick, and you know, I always say, and people always say to me, I've worked with some brilliant people. You know, talk sport with Alan Brazil, Adrian Durham. Harry, Adrian Durham gets so much stick, like this guy gets so much stick every day. But what he, but he's so professional, he's so professional, and he backs whatever he says. And he says to me, James, if you just talk rubbish, then you are you are not going to be a good pundit because you are just talking rubbish. But if you if you say something and you can back it with a detailed argument then it's your opinion. And that's all it is. Being a pundit is just your opinion. You know, you, 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 you don't have to be an expert. I'm not a data analysis of Liverpool and, and trying to, you know, do all their data. I'm just a pundit who has an opinion. And if I can back that opinion up, then it matters. Yeah, but sometimes i think right,
0: sometimes I'm wrong. Yeah, but Jamie, I think the problem some fans have is that when you get a call horribly wrong, you guys don't come out and hold your hands up. Do you think? I I've been generally yeah.
2: (laughs) To be fair,
3: I don't think I've got many things wrong. That's smug, Jamie. That's smug. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jamie, what I wanted to ask is, um, previously there was like some media perception about you. You had this sort of image, but within the last twelve to eighteen months, when I see Jamie O'Hara, I Mm. think football man, manager, pundit. Before it was you know showbiz yeah idiot you know drama yeah so idiot be a big brother yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so so how hard have you got about reshaping your image and what advice would you also give to players that are negatively stereotyped in the media of how to like just change your whole image and perception
2: yeah it's a great question mm. um for me it was it was tough it took time you know i i done big brother and listen i, I I was going through a strange time in that period. And I always had this kind of stigma around me of, you know, ah, oh, he's, he's not serious. He doesn't love the game. And ah, oh, he's a celebrity. All that rubbish. And that was never me. You know, I always loved football. Football was my pinnacle. And I lost my way a little bit. Went through a bit of a tough time. And, you know, I got divorced. Um, went through some real bad periods. And I went on Big Brother. I won... I wanted the money, you know, I needed Let me tell you, you, it was like, it was like having a three-year contract, that money. Wow. There was, you know, it was serious, serious money. Mm. And I was at the point where I needed that money. You know, I need, I I was at a point in my life, I didn't have a football club. I wasn't at a contract. I did I wasn't earning any money and it couldn't, I couldn't just continue to, to not do something. So I, I thought, Oh, the money was great, they offered me an awful lot of money to do it, and I thought, you know what, it's a chance for me to show another side of me, people's, you know, a, a real side of me, 100%. To, you know, like, yeah. to, to, to see where I'm coming, like I'm a normal guy, I'm not this flash arrogant person that people might think I am, like, I'm, I'm genuinely not, you know, i come from nothing, come from, i lost my mum, I've come from a normal background, you know, and I've done well and built up, so yeah, I've done nice things, I've, I've owned nice cars, I've had nice houses, I've gone to my space but I'm still just a normal person a normal guy so I wanted to show that. And, that and that come across great and that was the first stepping stone of changing people's perceptions of me was that show and I thank them for that because I come across well in it um, yeah, you did but when when I come out I I realised I wanted to be back in football you know I thought to myself this is great I'm getting off at all these shows you know celebs go dating you know dancing on ice <laughs> You know, like to do all these, and it was, and the money was good, but I thought to myself, it's not me, you know, it's not me, it's not who I am, it's not who who is Jamie O'Hara, and that was the biggest thing I asked myself when I come out of Big Brother was, who is Jamie O'Hara? What am I? And I realised that I was, I wanted to be in football, wherever that may be. I wanted another, I wanted another shot at football, and whether that was in media, whether that playing, um, I wanted to get back into it. So I, I, I stepped away from everything that they were asking me to do you know all the, to go to the events you know the red carpet events all the time to be seen out all the time mm. I just I wanted to step away from it and, and solely focus on building a career in media and football and making sure I'm in football and that that, that, that chance arose with Bill and Ricky, you know they gave me the opportunity to play again talk sports started using me and do you think time, going,
3: do you think going on big brother sort of blacklisted you from professional football clubs do you think that was a black mark against your name
2: yeah that was it after that yeah i knew i knew i, I knew after that doing celebrity big brother i knew i wasn't going to go back professional again at that time to be a player you know mm. because i think straight away i mean there, there, there might have been some opportunities if i really but i wasn't one i wasn't fit enough and two, I'd, I'd lost at that time of that 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 sole moment of when I was on Big Brother, I wasn't in love with the game. I wasn't in love with the game because I'd lost. I'd, I, there was too many politics and too many things that had happened where I thought, you know what, I'd had enough. I wanted to get away from football and I needed to reset myself. And you know that. And 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 now I look back, I think you know what it was the right thing to do because I did. I reset myself and I realised. How much I loved football and how much I needed football in my life. Yeah, and and, and when I reset myself, I actually come back and realise well, I'm not. I might not play professional football, but I want to be in football. Yeah,
0: Jamie. During these um challenging hardships, how important was your support network at that time?
2: At the time, uh, now or, or or then?
0: Back then, during um, that period of yeah. you know mental turmoil, as you said.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was tough. I mean, there was times, um, there was times when I really had to dig deep, really. And it was having family, having real mm. friends, like real friends. Right? Yeah, uh, we, know, we all know that we're, we're grown up. <laughs> like real friends uh, are, are not easy to have, and they're not easy to find. Mm. I've got I've got probably four real friends, you know, who I, who I can rely on with my life. Um, and you know my missus, who I've met now, I've been with, I've been on and off with her for five years, but we've been together solid now. You know, and she she helped me through a lot. You know, she stuck by me when I was down. She stuck by me, and I think when you got people willing to stick by you and see the potential in you, and the friends and that who are always going to be by your side and help you through their moments, that's when you know you start to build up again and you start to find a journey. I realised I had so many fake friends around me in my mm. life. Who just wanted to go out when I was, you know, getting a nice big table at libertine Club in London? Do you know what I mean? Or you know, so going Jamie, are, are you saying that holiday.
0: people almost used you for your money?
2: Yeah, of course. I had loads of clingers on. Loads of clingers on. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I used to have loads. I had loads of them around me. You know, it was like I call them party people. You mm. know, they're, they're with you for the party, but they ain't with you for for the real thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be there they're not going to be there when you're needing them the most.
3: Mm-hmm. Jamie, so what advice would you give to youngsters? Because you get a lot of footballers now earning good money. Obviously, they've got the fame. People want to be associating themselves to them. Yeah. So what yeah. advice would you give them to, like, notice these trends and try and weed them out?
2: The best advice I can give is never forget why you started playing football, you know? Because we all all started playing football because we love football, Mm. you know? And then these lads now who uh, who can earn an awful lot of money at a young age, they get everything thrown at them and everyone thrown at them. And the the key is to stay with that that single-minded focus of where you want to be and what goal do you want to be and who do you want to be as a person. Don't lose yourself Mm. in the media. Don't lose yourself to the fame of it all. Stay the focus, keep the mindset, and stay on that path of I want to get to where I want to get, and wherever that is, whether it's a League One player, Championship player, Premier League player, or world class player, you mm-hmm. have to have that that focus and that mindset to stay on that single minded path because you can stray, and straying's fine. We're all gonna do, we're all gonna go out, we're gonna do nice things, you're gonna do whatever you want, as young lads, but just don't ever stray too far from it where you can't get back.
3: Yeah, so Jamie, last one from me. Um, obviously, you've had a glittering career. As I said, I think you're a top pundit. Obviously, you're doing the coaching. So what does the next, let's say, two to five years hold for Jamie O'Hara? And what do you want it to hold?
2: So for me, my vision is, is to be a regular on, on Sky Sports, mm-hmm. you know, a Sky Sports pundit. Um, you know, I'd love to get on the, the Soccer Saturday stuff one day, you know, because that's where the you know real good stuff is and I'd love to do a bit more of the the, the analysis stuff you know like the Carragher Neville I love yeah. all that stuff as well mm. so doing that you know with Sky is fantastic I'd love to present my own show on, mm. on talk sport I'd like to have my own show uh, one day would be in the future which would you know where, where I think I could you know, I could be really good and managing wise and coaching is just to keep learning you know keep learning keep improving get Billy promoted win the short term would be would be a dream uh, to get them up into the National League and then as a manager or a coach you know I want to be in the professional game you know in the championship wherever that may be um, you know and, 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 being, and being part of football every day
0: Jamie it's been an absolute pleasure um, thank you for coming onto the platform and speaking so openly no, no about your, your future prospects and your career um, so we're going to leave it there gents and ladies um, this episode is going to be on YouTube um, to see a full array of our content. Um, please check our Apple and Spotify's where the beautiful game podcast, the Twitter is at, at podcast underscore TBG. Instagram is pod underscore TBG subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you want to get involved in the debate, use the hashtag TBG pod once again. Jamie, massive shout out to you. Thanks, Jamie, man. Thank you for
3: coming on and supporting. Thank you.
0: And we're going to leave it there over
3: and out.
1: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com Internet for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the
0: WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues